Hello everyone. Welcome to the Socio Podcast. You are listening to the first season called Fintelectuals. Enjoy. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Socio Podcast. This season is called Fintelectuals. Um, today we have a guest that uh, I also found in the Habturku. A uh, very special member of the Habturku, um, and uh, well, he's a design technologist. He's an open-minded, creative person focusing on interactions and experience design. Um, I have had a few conversations with him, and it's very, very interesting to talk to him. Um, he's a very uh, driven uh, professional, working as with, with teams or individually. But the thing is that he has a clear vision of the future and he wants to change the world, um, same as a few of us. So I'm very excited to talk to you, Yuho. Welcome to the Socio Podcast. Great. Thanks, Omar. Yuho, it's good to be here. Bye, Neo. Uh, it's, that's how you say it. Bye, bye, Neo. Yuho, bye, Neo. Yeah, it's Yuho. Yuho, you have as well some interest in digital healthcare and food production, environmental systems, service robotics. So. Like it sounds like you are into open data, collaborative decisions. Uh, so it's very holistic. Your your like multidisciplinary approach. Yeah. So I'm I'm a user experience designer by by profession. So mm-hmm. means that I do have to understand quite big systems usually because um, I help out help build out different kinds of applications and. and services and products so basically i do have to have a holistic view of the of the system and all its parts basically that's great and then one of your a few skills that you have uh are concept design and this ux ui design but mm-hmm. also uh, multimodal interaction uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, later uh front end development uh, uh, so you have a, a few uh, language coding uh, because I'm not an expert in this, but that's why we're talking to you today. And uh, also 3D visualizations that we I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but first, uh, are, where are you at the moment, Juho? I'm currently in Kupitta in Turku at the office of Silo AI, where I work as a as a designer at the moment. Okay, and um, are you? Uh, native in oh, like a Turku, Turku line Ah, yes. Yeah, I was, um, well, quite close. I was born in Raisio actually. And um, so that's a, quite a small town next to Turku. So I'm, I'm from there. Um, but I've lived in Turku for most of my life so far. <laughs> okay, but we yeah, have, but Raisio is pretty much Turku, no? I mean, it's like five, 10 minutes by car. No, the Turku area. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and when um, so you went to a school in Raisio? Yeah, I went to a school in Raisio for mm-hmm. high school, um, and then I came to Turku to study in the Turku uh, University of Applied Sciences. Um, and I, I actually I studied industrial design there, so it's a bit different from what I currently do, but but it's still in the same spectrum of. Of design work basically and also give you some uh kind of a background and mm-hmm. and like uh, some basis 
and the way uh, maybe your education as well uh, leads you to what you are doing today. Oh yeah, definitely. I've always had like an interest for for creating things and making things happen. So I think it's been a quite a natural path in some sense to to kind of go from doing these kind of physical prototypes and stuff like that in school to building um, like digital products and, and services. So it's it's they're, they're quite similar in, in some sense. So and it's always been like my dream to create things that are usable for people. So that's basically my main driver. That's great. Like like a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Do you do uh, have you done any exchange maybe during school or university? Uh, done what? Sorry. Uh, any exchange? Oh, like, exchange. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've actually been in in near Toronto, Canada, for yeah. uh, about a year or so, and then I did a internship there as well um, with a friend of mine. And then I've also been to uh, Falmouth, which is in England, in in Cornwall, um, mm-hmm. where I did my media design studies. So. That's also, um, that was a really interesting trip. And, and I've, I think that everyone should actually do these kind of exchange programs because they open up your mind so much. And then you basically meet new people and you have to kind of understand about things about yourself as well as the world to kind of adapt and, and learn about the place. So I think that's really good as an experience. I would recommend everyone to do it. That, that's great. So how, how was the decision to do this? Because some people might be thinking, okay, yeah, I really want to do something like this. Uh, but there is always this thing that holds you back and uh, you kind of like, it, you have a hard time taking the decision. What was your, your hmm. uh, line of thought? Like, how was this? <laughs> um, that's a good question. To be honest, um, I think when I was in high school, when I did my first exchange was um, because my English teacher said that it would be useful to do it. <laughs> and and okay. I was just kind of, I pondered it for a little while and then decided that, yeah, I, I think I want to do this. Um, I was quite introverted actually when I was in, still before I did the exchange. So, and I did still consider myself quite, quite uh, introverted in the introvert, extrovert axis, if you can kind of put people in that. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but I think that it was a really kind of great experience to, to kind of face as well to that whole decision of, of doing it, because there, it, as you said, it is quite a big decision to kind of, um, jump to a unknown place with unknown people. Um, and I think the same goes with people who make a decision to move abroad to work as well. Um, so basically kind of this, uh, I don't know, uh, need to be in the unknown for a little bit. I think that that was the main driver. I wanted to see something different. Okay. And also it's really good for language. Like if you oh, yeah. want to improve your language skills, it's always good to just uh, just go somewhere else and it, depending on your language that you're looking for. But in this case, uh, England is quite quite good good spot to, to be. Yeah. This is uh, Cornwall. It's the south of the United Kingdom. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the, the southernmost, um, what do you call them? The area, province? No, I don't know what the English people call the areas, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's the southernmost part of, of England. And basically, Falmouth is almost at the tip of, of uh, southern England. And it's actually one of the so-called beach towns in England as well. Um, so that's a big, big beach there and people go swimming quite a lot and, and stuff like that. And some people also do surfing there, I think. But it's not the best place. I mean, Falmouth isn't the best place to do that, but there's some pretty good surfing places there as well. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And yeah, it I looks like it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it looks quite that it's not England. If you look at the pictures that I'm looking at right now, yeah, I'm looks, like, okay, hmm, what is this? It's like a southern, I don't know, like it could be in southern Europe, I would say, almost. And, and I yeah. was surprised that there's an actual beach because in my head, the place looked like, you know, these kind of really steep hills that have been mm -hmm. carved by the ocean, basically. And, and, you know, the traditional English landscape kind of yeah. idea was, was in my head when I went there. So it was quite a surprise how kind of, um, I don't know, different it was. Yeah. Oh, and it looks like it's not that cold. No, no, it's actually quite warm because it is so south. And there's also the, I think the Gulf Stream hits it in a right angle or something. So it's actually the decent temperature as well. Um, and it doesn't even get that cold in the wintertime. Um, and so I would say that it's quite perfect for someone who wants to experience England, but doesn't want to have the whole kind of cold and damp experience <laughs> no and it's, it's it's really really nice what you said before that about this unknown because mm -hmm. like you didn't know how was it and then you really wanted to experience it and then you actually got a really nice really nice place to live uh for how long to, were you there like a year um, well i did it did um half a year there yeah um, mm -hmm. but i i did consider doing a master's degree there as well at some point um but we'll see how these kind of the current world situation, how it develops, if, if it's possible to still <laughs> do those kind of things through the through the school system. But but um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was um, pretty. Nice. Would you go back? So that's that's what you're saying. Like, uh, would you go back to do yeah. your masters there? Okay, I, that's, I would, that's I would very like nice to do to that. Hear. Um, it's it it was in my head when I when I was there studying, but but then I kind of um, just came back and and then it. I, it just didn't happen, <laughs> but but it's still uh, something that would be interesting if there's still the program that I was partaking in, if it still exists. That's, that's nice. Mm -hmm. So basically, you went to school, uh, you go to Canada, go back, then go to Turku University of Applied Science, mm -hmm. and in the middle of your career, you as well go to this uh, university in Cornwall, at Falmouth University, mm -hmm. come, come back to Finland, uh, and then, well, you finish your university here. Um, yeah, so so, yeah. so actually, um, I'm still kind of, uh, <laughs> I still haven't actually finalized my studies. So that's, uh, uh, I basically have worked so much during studies that, that there's still some courses left. Not much though, I've done my thesis work, but, but um, I'm still lacking a couple of courses from the universe uh, from the applied uni. So, 
so that's uh, on my to-do list of, of, of next year, I hope to kind of finalize that as well. Yeah, and I mean, like, Still sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's really interesting that here in Finland, culturally, it's totally normal. There's no pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fine. You do these things. Whereas in, like, I don't know, some places in South America or Asia or uh, different, I don't know, places in the world, it's really like there's a lot of pressure on young people or even young professionals yeah. uh, to to always kind of like a, what now? But what are you doing? Why why have you fin- why haven't you finished this? Or here is like everyone understands and mm-hmm. it's maybe different here that you don't feel that pressure from society or your parents. Yeah, I think um, I think it's not so set in stone how fast you have to actually go through the schooling system here. Um, although there is some mechanisms that have, have been kind of built to kind of support um, people graduating on time. For example, you might get back some of your um, student loan and stuff like that. So basically you get so-called free money to <laughs> kind of graduate on time. Um, okay. <laughs> so or so yeah. basically the government pays back some of the tuition or the loan that you've taken. Um, but I don't know if... if how that works basically, but but that's something that 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 is uh, put to place. But uh, yeah, you're you're right about the thing that, that um, a lot of people um, do tend to take their time, but a lot of people, especially in the university, um, they tend to do research as well, so that can take some some years as well. So I would say that people are not slacking, but they're basically either working so much that they're Having difficulties graduating or, or, um, or doing some research work for the university, for example. Mm-hmm. But you have uh, along your career, you were doing some photography, some content uh, producing, uh, mm-hmm. design. Uh, you work at Parcero. I used to work there, yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You worked there, and I actually had a podcast uh, a few days ago with a. Uh, like ex Parcero member as well, uh, so it was oh, quite okay. surprising to <laughs> find out that you know, he he was probably um, he was a, a partner there. I think. Okay. Uh, you might know him, but of course, maybe we talk this about offline because uh, it's it's good to focus on you. This is your podcast, especially. So, um, also you being visual designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you it, your background is really like artistic design like electronic art somehow and as well yeah so technology is your yeah yeah i've, I've um i would say that i i've started quite young because um when i got my first camera i was seven years old um or eight wow so basically i, I started with with taking photos um and that was like a way of expressing myself i think in the beginning and then then i realized that okay uh, this media stuff seems interesting. So then I started um, learning how to do uh, websites and graphics and stuff like that. And when I was in my teens, I would say I was 15 or 16, I decided to um, start my own kind of small company, basically like a toy minimi in, in Finland, which is, which is like this solo entrepreneur um, type of a company so so I did that mm-hmm. and then that led me to work on 
I would say all kinds of um, design projects and media projects in general, um, as well as um, that's also where, where I kind of learned how to code as well, because I wanted to do all these kind of cool things for the web. And, um, and then I started to learn these languages like PHP and JavaScript and HTML and stuff like that. And then I created my own kind of content management systems and stuff like that. So basically it's all been, it, it all, all started from, from getting that camera and then kind of expanded from there, which is, I don't know, it, there, there's a minor gap between taking photos and coding, but I, I think there's, a, it's, it's all about understanding how different mechanisms in the world work. So observer, observing things and kind of realizing how you could build them. So I think it has a common narrative as well. If that makes and, sense. and this is still good. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because uh, one of the, if you have heard about this uh, golden, uh, I don't know, I know in Spanish how it's called, but like, uh, uh, I mean the golden the, rule or golden rule, isn't it? Is yeah. it golden rule about? But it's it's not the golden rule as in like don't do to others what you don't want others to do to you. Is this like a number which is like Aureus number? Mm, yeah, I think I think that's uh, maybe it's golden the golden ratio. ratio. Yeah. Yeah, the golden ratio. Yeah. yeah, so we we could get a little bit more into that um, just in a moment. But I wanted to ask you if you still have this uh, personal toiminimi. Like, are you are you still open to work for freelancing? And is this uh, how was it called your studio? Um, well, it was called. <laughs> It had a really original name, Studio Vainio, actually, <laughs> from my last name. <laughs> um, yeah, that okay. was a really original. But why not? I mean, sometimes those are the yeah. best ones, yeah. Yeah, and no, I mean, it, it made like a cool logo type, so so uh, it, it worked. Um, but yeah, no, unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. I had to um, kind of close it because, well, nowadays I do do. Um, work full-time with, with like bigger companies. So, so um, that, that basically was the reason why I had to take down my toy minimi. Um, I don't know what's the name in English. I'm trying to, trying to come up with it, but I can't. Some sort of solo entrepreneur. No, I, I think it's toy minimi. Yeah, it's like a uh, soul. Entrepreneur. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, I think I think it has to be yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. But anyways, um, so yeah, I had to kind of take that down. So so currently, uh, currently it's it's just uh, just the memory of it that that lives. <laughs> but yeah, I I do do some um, these kind of I would say free time projects every once in a while, um, which are mostly in the artistic sphere of things. Um, which you can't do um, through the kind of more hierarchical systems. So basically um, mm -hmm. like these kind of uh, visual arts type of things are, are usually the stuff that I do. <clears throat> and I also do some kind of 
pro bono work um, as, a, as my free time hobby kind of thing as well. So that, that gives me that creative outlet, I think. That's, that's really nice because somehow I feel like you always want to participate, to kind of like a contribute. Uh, and it just reminds me to something that I heard not, not too long ago about giving more of what you are taking. Mm -hmm. and, and to me that for a moment, I had this flashback of thinking when you do these pro bonos or when you want to participate with different projects is you, you kind of want to give your input mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not just about the money. It's not just about like the hustle of like, yeah, I just want to, you know, uh, get paid for my, it's, it's as well the participation, the, the, the working with others the, um, that give you somehow some, yeah. some drive. Yeah, I think so. There, there's a um, bigger meaning behind it. Oh, it's, it's more like um, you see a potential in something and then you want to realize that. Um, and then it doesn't have to, have to produce much income actually it's more about the making the thing happen i think so so i think that you're you're on the right train of thought in there <laughs> and then like talking about this pro bono uh, how was the how, how was this process of you getting into the hub to, in the first place when this came to your table like how how was this uh project that now mm -hmm. is a reality and, and is, is is a is a very nice place um how how was this the beginning of this hmm. well that's that's also a good question it actually all started when when i was at a um a seminar type event about bringing a makerspace to turku basically so so makerspace is a it's basically like a platform for people who want to create things, physical things, usually, um, or prototypes. Um, and it's it's usually open for everyone. Um, and it, it provides these different tools and some know-how and, and a community for people. And I think Arturi was, was actually um, hosting that event or, or at least presenting in that event. And, and there was also Peter, who was also one of the founders of Hapturku, um, Peter Fagerström, and then Arturi Elovirta. Um, and they were both in the event. And I think after that event, I was basically talking to Peter, how this sounds like a really interesting idea. I was actually still studying in, in, in the Applied University. And then, then after that, um, I basically kind of wanted to make it happen because I saw, saw that there was a lot of potential in, in creating this kind of environment where creative people and people with ideas can actually realize them. So, so then I wanted to join in. And, and that's kind of been the past four years now, making that happen and building it up from just an idea with really limited budget. Basically, we were basically funding the whole thing out of uh, selling people these kind of workspaces, um, and and it's it's been tough um, every once in a while, um, and it hasn't been an easy path. But I think it's we're building something that's that 
really has an impact and hopefully will also help people kind of grow their ideas into into fruition and basically create good things to the world. Um, so that's also the driver behind that. Why, why personally, why I wanted to put some quite a lot of time in, in that project and in the whole kind of community building thing. Yeah, Arturi actually was one of the, our hosts here in the Social Podcast uh, as well. Very interesting person, and I know you guys mm -hmm. have a project together. Yes, yes, Yoko Yoko. When I when I talked to Arturi, uh, we got into many different things, but we couldn't dig in into Jokoyo for a moment. Uh, so I I now was very intrigued to maybe talk to you and maybe you could explain us uh, what's Jokoyo about and and what you guys doing at the moment. What is the vision of it? And and if somebody of course are in, interested in in contact you, uh, so where is the best place to contact Yuho? Uh, at the moment, is it LinkedIn or yeah, yeah? Um, I think LinkedIn or just sending me a WhatsApp message is the easiest. But to be honest, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 strange, but but email is is quite archaic. LinkedIn, I think. Yeah, I think email is a bit too formal sometimes. Maybe that's why it, yeah. it still exists, right? Uh, somehow to have it. It's, it's good for there. official kind of exchange of, of contracts and, and kind of having these kind of negotiations about stuff and this kind of really formal True. discussion. But I think that the best way to contact someone would be to kind of either call them or send them a message and, hey, can we talk about this and that? Um, because then you can kind of skip all that unnecessary formality of things. But yeah, um, so your question was about was about Yokoyo. So um, yeah. Um, Yokoyo. So basically, how, how could I describe it? Well, the whole idea was, was when, it, when we kind of started forming it out was to kind of create this um, change in the city. Uh, we wanted to activate the city space through uh, interaction design, art, uh, and cultural content. Um, and then it kind of started forming from there. Um, and this is through discussions between me and, me and Arturi, um, who are currently the only people basically working with, with, um, with the Yokoya projects. Um, we do also have some um, interns and project workers every now and then, but currently it's only, only uh, two people um, doing it. But we do tend to, um, take part in these kind of uh, quite cultural activities. So basically doing um, projection mapping, for example, which is a combination of, of uh, video projectors and, and visuals and, and basically kind of creating these uh, narratives on, on architectural pieces, for example, um, or, um, and then in, in some sense, I would say that, that what we do is, uh, in between um, kind of media art, uh, architecture and interactive arts. So basically uh, combining um, user input. So basically people partaking and seeing these kind of installations, um, then combining, for example, music, 
visuals, stuff like that. So when the people are in the space experiencing what we do, um, they can actually get some uh, feedback from from their actions. So I don't know if you've heard about or if you've been to um, Amos Rex Museum in Helsinki, but they had a um, quite a big, uh, um, what do you call it, like a show there that was produced by Team Lab, which is a Japanese um, artistic group consisting of architects, designers, um, developers, so coders, um, and all kinds of project people. And they basically create these massive um, spatial visualizations that, that um, kind of, I would say, uh, I think I saw them on. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah they, they do Melbourne. these installations all around I the world, they... basically. Um, and so, so they're really kind of. Yes. So they create a narrative with the space and the people experiencing it, and you actually can produce stuff in there, um, and see see it come to life, basically. So it's kind of like creating this almost magical experiences with with just light. So basically, projectors and and different sensors and stuff like that. So is is very good. I, I mean, it's very uh, fascinating yeah. what they do. And yeah, and somehow I I, I think there might be some uh, intent of or maybe the point is to play with your senses mm -hmm. as well. And like I don't know if you know how how what's it called, but when you can alter a sense through another one. For example, when you are like looking at something and that uh, stimulate different senses just by looking at something that is probably moving in certain way or with different patterns. But I think it like was very nice, illusion, I, I have to say. And, I would say. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was very, very, yeah. <laughs> very intriguing to, to yeah, see I that. Mean... Yeah, and I see, I see you have done as well something yeah, we've, right? we've done a in, couple your, of pieces. Um, so I think, I don't know if Arthur told you about the, the one that we did for Hopo Academy. So we did a, a um, for Hopo Academy, we did a hundred year celebratory installation in, in one of their main buildings, basically. So we had a couple of projectors and we had a, a pianist create a background audio and then we made the surface basically of the building um, lit up and, and, and come to life, so to say. And, and it actually attracted quite a few people. I think there was um, at least a few thousand people there uh, watching it. Um, so it, we, we wanted to create a, a story oh, yeah. uh, with the building about the history of, of, of uh, Academy and, and the history of Turku as well. So. So basically, this is the sort of stuff w we did a, a while ago. And then um, this uh, autumn, we actually did a, another one uh, with uh, uh, Naino Albanen Museum here in Finland, um, I mean, here in Turku. Um, so Naino Altonen has mm -hmm. always been quite, I would say, supportive for different forms of media art. Um, and also these kind of more experimental installations as well. So basically what we did was um, create this, uh, I would say canvas for kids 
to throw paint on this white white building. So basically, the the whole mu museum building is is a white box, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, like a huge canvas. And like then a huge we wanted canvas. to give the kids yeah. a chance to kind of colorize it because it's it's kind of kind of dull, I would say, just looking at this white box all the time. I, I mean, I I like Scandinavian design and I like the kind of simplistic simplistic forms but but sometimes yeah, you kind of wish to have some sort of i would say brightness also in in, the, in your life so we created like this virtual canvas that people could play with and 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 it produced quite a cool looking yeah yeah interact, interact. so they basically could draw colors with their phones um so so we used a, the phone as an interface for it wait wait so the, the uh, yeah. So, so the basically, brushes. what you could do is is throw these color balls basically against the the wall with your phone, um, and that's the whole idea of what, what we do is combine these kind of technologies together. Oh wow! Okay, so with the phones, yeah. So everyone could could paint with the phones as brushes into yeah. this museum wide yeah. big wall or like <laughs> like canvas. Oh, that's amazing. That's really great. And I guess for next year. Are we going to see more about Yokoyo? Is this still going on? What are, what are the plans for 2000? Well, I hope that we're going to get some uh, similar pieces. Um, there, there has been a... There's a this, this, this kind of awakening has happened. Um, I mean, these kind of architectural, I would say spatial augmented reality type of Kind of digital installations are becoming more and more common so i think um we're gonna see some more next year as well um are you looking for yeah it's, it's, so, hmm? so sorry are you looking for somebody to join jokoyo how many are you at the moment is only arturi and you or well for these kind of projects it would be cool to of course have a multidisciplinary team mm -hmm. um always if, if if it's possible because i think um the most that could be produced uh, would, would be good with if someone could do a script writing, for example, or write the script and uh, help with the narrative structures and and basically um, almost having like a production team similar to films or or series um, would be useful for these kind of kind of projects because it is um, I would say it requires a the know-how of of both storytelling as well as the technical side and of making things happen and as well as the uh, kind of i don't know understanding of, of the architecture and stuff like that so so basically there's quite a few different uh, professions that could come together to create these things so so i would definitely uh, like to open discussions with with these kind of people that's awesome and um are you still working at Yokoyo? Well, you still with with presently, uh, but I understand you have yes. Now so I actually job. do my full time um, or or daytime job is is working at, at Silo AI, working with um, uh, basically machine learning and artificial intelligence systems, designing uh, interfaces as well as the user experience around those those topics. Um, and, and that's currently currently what I do in the daytime. And then 
because these installations usually do take place in the weekends and, and evenings. So, so that's when I, when I usually do the projects around, around Jokoyo. So, so that's, that's kind of like the division of time <laughs> for myself at the moment. Um, but it's, it's because I feel that okay. for, for me, the, the artistic projects are, are quite, quite freeing in some sense, because it, it gives a chance to kind of experiment on things, experiment with new technologies, with uh, sensors and stuff like that. So, so for me, I, I feel that it's a learning experience as well, doing those kind of things. So it's fine to have it this way. It, no, and, and it, sounds, it sounds good. It sounds like yeah, there's a good rhythm of work because during the day, as you said, and then the weekends, but in your free time as well, you have some different things that you are uh, collaborating or working with. But mm -hmm. on your free, free time, <laughs> you hold, you hold time. Uh, what, 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 what is, um, well, what I do like there? to read a lot, uh, if, if, if it's possible. So I have, I have a, a few books constantly mm -hmm. on my table. Um, and then I do also like to go, uh, take photos as well. So, so I still have that photography from when I was a kid in my mind. And I do enjoy going out in the, the outdoors and just kind of experience the wilderness and, and see see new places and and capture those on on currently a digital platform but still um so yeah i would say say kind of exploring and and reading so to basically exploring two books this is also uh, what i like to do when i have free time and so basically i would say um learning and exploration if, if i would have to sum it up great and at the moment what what book what, what, um, what's the book on the well table? currently i'm, or I'm reading uh, I mean, you are uh, a, a fiction book uh, or sci-fi fiction um, from alastair reynolds called uh, beyond the aquila rift which is a i would say a series of novels um focusing on this kind of genre of space opera so <laughs> intergalactic things <laughs> and drama um so, so I'm quite a huge sci-fi <laughs> yes. geek, to be honest, and, and I like to read these kind of far-reaching <laughs> stories and novels and short stories. Um, and then I also, on the fiction, uh, I mean, non-fiction side, I'm, I'm currently reading um, this book called um, uh, UX Strategy, which is basically focusing on how to build, um, like strategically building user experience in products and services and, and basing all the design decisions um, on, on actual um, user research and, and, and um, basically this kind of uh, solid foundation and not just based on, on business ideas and, and these kind of uh, crazy ideations, but, but actual, actually asking the users what, what they want and, and finding out their pain points and stuff like that. It's actually a really good book, um, and I, I hope to kind of be able to pick some some good things to bring to my work as well from there. That's that's amazing. I actually was going to ask you if you have uh, because I'm I'm reading this book. Mm -hmm. It's called Physics of the Future, and as soon as you said this uh, book about yeah. beyond the aqua 
Aquila Rift. Uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. This is Alistair Reynolds, did you say? Yeah. So uh, it came to my mind, this is, this is not fiction, but in some so, somehow it is, because Michi, uh, yes. his name yes, is Michi Okaku, he's an American physicist. Um, yes, and, and he has this book that a, a friend of mine gave it to me, uh, and I really didn't run out, but it's, so it's reality, but it's not, because of course he's trying to explore how the future will be mm-hmm. in terms of, for example, AI, uh, all the... Uh, technology advancements and he started to tell you like from 2030 2040 50 and and so on it's it's, it's a really good book unfortunately <laughs> it's in spanish so i will i will probably will give it to you <laughs> when i finish it but it's in spanish but you might find yeah. it in in english of course or even in finnish oh yeah uh, definitely I, I think I've you might watched, be interested uh, in this one michio's uh, lectures and and ted talks and stuff like that and he he has a really I think he's, he's good at kind kind of summarizing what could happen with the current technological trends and such like such topics basically. Um, and in some sense, I would say, uh, kind of doing these predictions of the future and writing science fiction, they have a lot of similarities. You actually create these scenarios of, of a distant future or or not so distant future, and then kind of create a narrative around those. So. This is actually a really interesting topic because I think that there's a lot of um, overlap between the, I would say, what research we do. Yeah, fiction and reality in that sense that, that fiction and reality. We, we read these kind of and see these sci-fi films and read these sci-fi stories. And, and a lot of people who read and watch those are basically also working with the science and technology behind those. So, so there's like this, dialogue between mm-hmm. the, the world of fiction and as well as the, the practical um, day-to-day work of research. So, so I actually <laughs> I have this writing project where I'm, I'm looking into kind of examining this effect and, and how there is could be some, some uh, so basically we dream of this or we used to dream of this kind of personal um, wearable devices that we could use to communicate with each other like a hundred years ago <laughs> and, and these kind of telepathical things and stuff like that which have been in the, in the, in the topics of, of old sci-fi books and now we basically have created those things so in some sense what we dream of we also create mm-hmm. and, and that is a really interesting idea so basically when we create these sceneries of the future and in our heads and in, in writing and books and, and, and different sources, uh, different, different media formats, we actually release this idea into the world and, and let it manifest as well in some sense or some level at least. So I think that's a really interesting topic that maybe you could do even a whole podcast episode about, but, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think we should do another podcast episode, uh, in, but this time more like getting uh, deep into these kind of topics. Uh, of course, this episode is is about you, Hobainio, because I want everyone to understand your history, uh, that we could tell your story. What what is it that uh, brought you here to this point, and where are you trying to uh, go from from now? 
uh, what are your plans and but so somehow when we tell story or when i try to tell the story to or, or, about somebody it will always going to be uh somehow people will listen to it and they will feel related with something and mm-hmm. and i think your if we if we go back to a little bit from from the back from from your exchange to going somewhere and just heading to the unknown this is first first of all that's was one of the first things that i said okay this is this is valuable because that's something that i will leave i would like to leave to the listeners to to grasp this into like it's not only about going to the exchange it's about starting your own company it's about everything is unknown mm-hmm. and so th- this is one of the things that i really like but also all what we have done i think is also really good i mean it's really interesting and i think we should do another podcast <laughs> definitely yes <laughs> i think we should yes and um now I was going to tell you that this Michio Kaku book is 2011, but there is a new book that is coming next year. It's called The God Equation, okay. uh, the quest, the quest for a theory of everything. So I think he's trying to follow up on this book of Stephen Hawking's The Theory of Everything. So it would be interesting to uh, maybe read this book and discuss it or something next year. No, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I'll, it's his I'll, new I'll, book. I'll so that on my waiting list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but going back to to silo AI, just to like maybe uh, wrap up this part of the podcast about about your experience, professional experience. Uh, is there something that you're working on that you can talk about? Of course, because sometimes you are like you feel like when you talk about AI, like which secret <laughs> or like um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of things. That, uh or something that I can't really talk about, but... Um, <laughs> I told you, <laughs> I knew it. Life of the business, but... Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I can talk about the general kind of uh, topics. Yes, please. Basically. Yes. Um, yes. So what, what, what we do is, is uh, has, has a lot to do with, with basically really practical AI and ML solutions. So, so we tend to work with projects that are actually going to use as well, not just doing uh, this kind of research uh, side of things, but actual, I mean, um, this kind of, for example, natural language processing, which is focusing on on uh, understanding language and its structures, and then doing some sort of analysis based on that, um, and then providing that uh, result to the, to the end user as well. Um, so, understanding intentions of people for example or or what so basically what they want and when they say something and and also kind of like these different uh different sides of of understanding the world basically what 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 we would usually require a human to do um Mm -hmm. but but it's it's kind of I would recommend heading to to our website and read about all the case studies and and different blog articles and kind of to grasp the the vast potential of, of utilizing AI in different fields. Um, but I can explain about some stuff that I kind of understand at least. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know, I, th- I think it, I think it's good to leave this. Actually, it's very simple uh, URL. It's silo dot AI. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So if somebody want to look at it, uh, silo.ai, of course, you can contact you on LinkedIn always or WhatsApp. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I think uh, the page will tell us more about it. But I was going to ask you something about why or what is actually the, the difference between AI and machine learning? Because everyone is talking about AI, but I have the feeling that most of the things that people talk about AI is just machine learning, is not AI. Because actually AI in the world, there's like a three or four actual AIs working at the moment, like for real. So what, what would you say about the difference between, or how can we make this distinction or like a misconception about that everything is AI, but most of the things are actually machine learning? Well, um, so machine learning is actually a kind of like a subset of, of artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence is the kind of umbrella term of different systems that tend to have characteristics of, of having um, this kind of functions that that would require usually would require a human to to do and human intelligence to do of the stuff that we currently have are are these kind of narrow ai type of the uh, system that have, has been built uh, with the models in it um, basically can tackle quite a narrow task basically so so it doesn't have have this uh, vast knowledge of, of, of itself or, or the environment or, or a sense of self that, that some sci-fi films basically depict that, that, that there would be a sense of self in the system. But actually it's more like a, like the structure of, of, of the world that it has and carries and then it has these statistical models there that can then make predictions on, on based on the input that the system gets. Um, so basically I would say that Currently, I mean, there's there's a lot of these kind of AI systems in the news, for example, from OpenAI, um, the GPG-3 system, which basically is able to produce um, these kind of textual responses to, to um, different inputs that the user gives. Um, and they're quite close to sounding like the, there's some, some sort of um, deeper knowledge in there, but it's basically based on... on uh, Kind of feeding a lot of textual data to the system, um, and so so they've I think they've fed a lot of a lot of the text in, on the internet basically to the system, and 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 then it has created this uh, kind of language structure, and and also this kind of uh, knowledge of of what to respond to different questions, and and there's also a temporal dimension of 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 understanding what has been already said to it, and then basis on that but there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things about for example gpt3 because it has also taught itself not just spoken language or, or written language but also coding languages so that's a, i think that's really interesting how you can actually so so for for a nlp system for example um, it doesn't really matter if it's a if it's a human language or a machine language that it it is processing so I think that's that's a really interesting topic as well, but I, I don't, I'm not going to go too deep in that, into that at the moment. <laughs> no, that's that, that has <laughs> yeah. to be the uh, U-Hole part two next ne ne next year, and um, no, and I think we should get more into it as well because uh, uh, being in 2000, mm -hmm. well, 2020 was just a blink 
overnight. But 2021, I think there is a lot of expectation of like um, getting this vaccine that is already in Finland and everyone is already from the medical um, services are getting this vaccine. So I think next year is going to be a little bit more open to go back to you know, maybe not normality because what is normality, but to kind of like start focusing again into everyone's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, each one industry or company or individual trying to just yeah. move yeah. on into this. Hopefully. From this yeah, pandemic. I, I, I also hope that we're, we're going to learn yeah, some hopefully. good practices from from this kind of full-on remote and distance uh, working type of things. So basically kind of I'm kind of hoping that we, we also learn something from this as a society, not just about viruses and virology, but also about um, this kind of essence of work. What it is to, what does it require for people to produce value into society and those kind of topics. So I think that's, um, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of good discussions around that as well during this, this global pandemic. And then and it would be interesting to see which parts of that discussion are also going to be kind of transmitted to the to the after Corona world as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's see. But still, still, I feel like uh, we, yeah, there is there is still a, a mm. lot of things happening around the world more than the pandemic. So it's yes, going to be I very so. interesting year well, for I think yeah. for everything for everyone. And I'm hoping that we um, won't see uh, another yeah. wave of, of some yeah, strain but, of, of COVID nineteen, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll see. Yes. First of all, we have to finish this year, so there's still a few days to go. But <laughs> but after that, we will worry about that. But yeah, sure. no. Um, I think it's been really good talking to you, you. Um, thank you, yeah. Thank you so much because, of course, this time of the year is really hard to uh, find time for this and stuff. But I think we we did it very yeah. well into finding this this time. And yeah, I think this is a actually course, a really interesting application. Helps a lot. Tool this anchor. It was quite easy to join this actually. Yeah, the browser and stuff like that. So so. I'm really glad to see this um, podcasting kind of mm-hmm. become a day-to-day thing to, in 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 Europe as well. I mean, it's been around in 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 the States at least, but uh, and, and North America in general, and in, I guess around the world as well. But but now that it's becoming a bit more common here as well, it's it's, it's cool to see that. I like the format at least. I, I listen to quite a few podcasts myself as well. Yeah, and hopefully we can do the next one like face to face or at least in a studio or something, because of course the quality of the sound improves a little bit more, and uh, we could have a coffee or maybe yeah. I don't know just uh, the interaction I think is is better, but well not better it's just different. But of course if you are in your in a place that you're very comfortable uh, right now as well, it doesn't change that much because. Uh, well, we already know each other, but when you don't know somebody or you have never spoke with the person face to face, it gets a little bit like the beginning 
it's hard yeah, to it's, it's definitely like easier a, to do yeah. it face to face start the podcast well in this but, case it was uh, very no, Unfortunately, this year has taught, I think, I guess, all of us to kind of be able to <laughs> communicate through through voice and video chats and stuff like that. So I guess that's also at least I've had so many hundreds of hours of, of uh, teleconference calls and stuff like that that uh, I guess it's it's become easier to also have these kind of discussions uh, online as well. Mm-hmm. No, and um, yeah, I think to just to follow up on that, um, Ankur has been really good, but I hope we could maybe work out somehow a podcast in the studio in the hub that can yeah. maybe as well give some notoriety to the to the hub because it's a really it's a really nice place mm-hmm. in the middle of the old town um, next to the river. There's a lot of space still to yeah. uh, to offer because of the pandemic it was a little bit hard and challenging. But now that everything is like is moving on, I think uh, it would be really nice to to see more people coming to the hub to to have a look. Uh, you can come anytime you want. Somebody's gonna give you a, a tour, uh, so you can see by yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm this, really recommend this, coming uh, for a visit and and so, basically experiencing the the old town and. With the new twist, I would say. Yeah, you can, can you, actually. Can you, you have can a come free for a day trial and, or and something? And then you can kind of test it out. <laughs> and and if you if you wanna, you can get a like a ten day pass, and you can use it whenever you want. So basically, if you have a, a day there and here, here and there, uh, mm-hmm. you can drop by. Um, and I would I would say that it's cheaper than going to a coffee shop and having uh, sitting there for a full day and to, buying refills and stuff like that because you get the coffee for free at that hub. So <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, and there is so much, like I have I have met so many amazing people there. So I think that's as well something yeah. that is not included in, in the coffee or in. Other kind of yeah, uh, I think so as well. Co-working I'm, spaces, I'm, I think, is being really nice. I'll get the people back as well. <laughs> and it's pet friendly. <laughs> yeah, and it's pet friendly as well. So if yeah. you have a yeah a, a dog, you can come with the dog. I think that's okay. Worried? Yeah, uh, you. Thank you so much uh, again. And next time we will talk more about <laughs> the golden ratio and Fibonacci sure. pattern and AI yeah. and. And the future about Michio Kaku and all those yeah. things, I really, yeah, really that. hoping that's that a really good topic that that next year. I think we can squeeze an hour out of. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Yuho, thank you so much. And uh, if you have anything to say, just just shoot any for the hub or Yokoyo mm-hmm. or Silo or whatever, just yeah. Go ahead. Otherwise, I, this, I feel pretty this, good. This is I it. think it was, it was a nice how, how experience to uh, discuss about the these things. I haven't really kind of like reflected on my life in a while, so so it's also a good experience in that sense. Uh, it's good to hear that. Then it's good to hear, and I think you have a really nice way to narrate uh, these things oh. that you were talking about, <laughs> and you know, it's very easy. You explain okay. very um, I'm glad clear. To hear that. <laughs> you know, like very simple. Yeah. Yeah. You too. So, yep. Uh, Yuho, Merry Christmas. 
uh, and as well, a happy Excellent. new year. Cheers. And we will see you maybe Cheers. next year. Okay. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Socio Podcast. The best way to support us is to share it through your social media or with your friends. Until next time. Thank you.